This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This, you can't see it, but my arms are out wide like a giant hug. Welcome back to this Next Lander podcast. I'm joined by Brad Shoemaker. Bring it in, everybody. Come on, bring it in. Caravella, his arms wide. I was going to make that joke. God damn it. (laughs) Too late. Alex Navarro. What else you got? (laughs) My my arms are wide open. Just come on. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Uh, Alex, when the joke fell. I don't even know what's happening. I just want to give everybody a big old hug. That's why you need to start watching Star Trek oh, with us. Right. That's why. Oh, right. God, I forgot he hasn't even seen that. He doesn't actually know what nope. we're talking about. No yeah. idea. He doesn't know Darmok. Huh. Nope. No Man. idea. I didn't think I lived in a world where a Darmok joke could fail to land at this point, but I guess here we are. There's a lot of things about this world you're not ready for, Shoemaker. Darmok jokes. What was this right before we started? Alex, his litter box spilled? Yeah. <laughs> What's, what is something about... A litter? Something what? along those lines. What's is that, that a Darmok joke? You have a litter box? Look, it's just... Okay, Here, here's the very short version of this. Okay. At one, in one episode, they meet a, a species that only communicates in metaphor. Okay. And if you don't know the mimetic history 
of their culture yes. and what they're referencing, you cannot talk to them because it just sounds like nonsense. Is it just like Cockney rhyming slang in some no. way? Like, oh, it's okay. like it's it's reference to myth. Okay. Yeah, it's more literal, like like literature style, like you know their history, their mythology, okay. and then they just say it's like you know, like like you know. I, I don't know. It's just like, like I said, Vincent, his arms open. Yes. You know, that is a reference to something that they know. Okay. Sounds like, it sounds like we're, we'll, we'll get eventually where people just talk in memes. And if you don't yeah. know, we're already okay, there, man. Sure. I don't know why <laughs> nobody's made meme. that connection yet, but yes, that's exactly it. Oh no. That's people me. have totally made that <laughs> connection before. That's, okay. that's literally that episode is about memes. Well, yes. There you go. Look at this. I've put it all together. The synapses are firing. Uh, uh, Oh really? <laughs> is that, that's right there's I, nothing but the hottest freshest <laughs> most current internet references around mm-hmm. here uh dun 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 uh-huh. that's right okay Just keep them coming yeah why don't you start telling me about how it's peat and butter jelly time again yes. oh because it always is except when uh, the chocolate rain comes Fanny uh, caravella is here oh, to say God. i kiss you <laughs> How is Bobby, how is Bobby formed? How do we tell the audience we're all 40 or over without Uh, saying we're 40 or over? We're not hitting our target demos here, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, um, let me just, I'll mark that down in the uh, show notes here where it says, uh, the hottest, the hottest memes, uh, Mm -hmm. hottest memes, man. I, um, we have a meme channel in the discord now. Uh, yes, where I go in there and, you know, I'll laugh. I'll laugh. I like to have a good time, but man, mm-hmm. things move fa- like memes. Okay. This is, this is a, this is the, I'm 40 also thing, but like, hear me out for a second. It is, it is so lightning fast. The iteration of, of a, of a thing, right? Like it is like, oh yes, it is blindingly fast. How you go from initial thing posted to wrap around snake eating its own tail on that same thing in now what seems like seconds of a, of a thing getting posted, which is, it, which is just very fast to me. To, to me, the way that uh, internet culture moves now, the way they seize on things, they consume things. It's like in a cartoon when you see a bunch of termites eating like a, you know, yes. like a house. Yes. It's just, it's, it is a buzz <laughs> of people dis- or termites descending on the thing. There is a cloud of dust and then suddenly there is nothing left. It, it, it is the, uh, it is the like uh, uh, meat shank going into the piranha filled water uh and then yes. and then pulling out yes a bone. it is scratchy getting dunked in the piranhas all that's left <laughs> is his skeleton in yes. about two seconds so, continue the metaphor what is coming out the other end uh disdain like okay. oh man yes. hatred hatred like okay that's so old misery mimetic yeah. excrement <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes no we are living in the piles of mimetic excrement yes. that is that is what life online mm. is now i um i'm so i was uploading so when when i upload stuff to the youtube channel what happens is we go to the next lender youtube page and since nobody watches anything on necessarily that account and i turned off all the watch history i just get the raw usually i'm sure they're tracking something oh you're getting that raw raw youtube serving up what's popular stuff so i get to see just because nobody's history is on there right i'm sure it has my ip address and all this other stuff that it's trying to trying to latch on to something in my life to be like i need to serve you something relevant but like so i wind up with tiktok like compilations on the front page there or um people falling off of stuff 
and, and yesterday, I don't know how, but I wound up in uh, Kitchen Nightmares, like a video for like uh, Kitchen Nightmares, the uh, Gordon Ramsay show. No, that's not true. I wound up on Hot Ones. So it was like a Hot Ones c- compilation. I was like, oh, look at that. That's one way they eat stuff and cry. But like, it was Idris Elba. So I was like, I like Idris Elba. You know what? You got me. I'm going to open this in the incognito window so mm-hmm. you can track me less. And I'm going to watch some of this. But then there was a Gordon Ramsay one. And I was like, okay, you got you got me. It's still processing this thing. Uh, and wound up watching some of that, which got me to Kitchen Nightmares. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's the name of the show. And then, uh, which got me to... The one where he walked out on Kitchen Nightmares uh, because of these people in Arizona that were just batshit. And then um, that got me to realize there was a whole thing there in 2016-ish where they were being, cartoons were being made of them. I don't know where I was. Where was where was I for all of this? And it was like just kind of a retrospective about like, oh, it's the hottest thing in 2016. And I was like, I just was I not on the internet during that time? I was a young, strapping internet person in 2016. Were you? Y- young 35 plus ish person? <laughs> right in the wheelhouse. Yeah. Do you, Vinny. Yeah. Vinny. Yeah. You don't consume the internet no. the way that I do. And <laughs> I, it's one of the things that I love the most about you is that you are resolute and you're not doing that. Brad, you are also maybe not as obsessively online as i am and again i think it is a good quality do you do you does if i said uh there's a thing where a person says i speak cat and they go meow 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 uh as as part of a thing of this kitchen nightmares does that ring any bells for you alex you in that did you this okay this was a thing i'm several layers deeper man (laughs) you're on the cat's perspective i'm in the molten core of this shit (laughs) okay man i was like blown away by the amount of internet that was happening right in my right beneath the floorboards here like right uh, like it's happening all <laughs> around oh man yeah. mm-hmm. like you got an internet problem here <laughs> it's internet seeping up oh yeah no the memes are getting into the walls <laughs> the internet is seeping up through the floorboards I don't know, something stinks in here. <laughs> something stinks in here. I don't know what it is. Some internet died in your in your walls uh, a couple of years back. You gonna have to. Uh, we gotta abate this whole place. It's uh, no. This house is done. We gotta get the. You ever see uh, ET? We gotta get those guys to come in and uh, pretty it's much just a wall full of Pepe <laughs> skeletons. <laughs> Oh they gotta, they gotta cart you out of here and put on this. You're gonna be locked up for a while. Is the problem here? You're gonna be in some kind of isolation tank while they scrub that off you. You can't get that stink off, really. Nope. Um, here's a here's a fun here's a not internet thing that uh, just a real life. Here's a real wholesome real life thing that happened. Um, okay. I've got two kids. One is six. One is nine. And um, my daughter, she's six. She's gonna be seven soon. My wife, my wife, they're sitting on the couch. I, I come up uh, last night to go say goodnight. Um, they're, they're, she's putting the kids to bed. Uh, Good night. Uh, my daughter's kind of has her face tucked into my wife as they're sitting on the couch. And my wife goes, I just want to let you know your daughter has decided to trim her eyebrows. And I said, okay. And she said, I just before it's, and, and, and my daughter's like, mom. <laughs> And and my wife is like, it's you just want to know before you see. She just took it on herself to trim her eyebrows. Wait, wait, hang on. Let me me just. She already has at this point, or she's she has done it. Okay. Uh, Oh, okay. And uh, And she took it upon herself to do it. Yeah. Uh, My daughter has currently currently no eyebrows. Wow. (laughs) 
currently no eyebrow, which makes a person look very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, and just is. So then when she took her face out from uh, the side of my wife, I had to. I'm glad she prepared me. My wife, much wiser than any of us will ever be, uh, for preparing me. I was like, oh, okay. Did you know she was doing? You know that conversation. Did you mm-hmm. know? And you know, my wife was like, I told her. You know, it's fine. The experiment, and they're gonna grow mm-hmm. back. And like, you know, it's it's okay. Because my daughter was pretty upset by that point. Um, and I said, did you know she was doing this? And she's, you know, this is the conversation you have around the kids, uh, the tone of voice you use. Yes. And I said, it was okay if that's what you really want to do. And I said, okay. And then I said to my daughter, I would have probably stopped you. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, dad, I said, oh, do you enjoy this new look? And she said, no. Okay, well, you know, they're going to grow back. You learned a lesson then. Well, I said, you're going to grow back. It's going to be fine. Then we went over kind of like, you know, some people, you know, uh, put eyebrows on and, you know, do do different things. Yep. So that is that is the one question I have. Is it just a trim? Did she just use scissors? She just used scissors. She did not pluck. And we, okay. my wife explained that, okay. like, they're going to grow back. You know, you didn't pluck. Hey, you know, hey, you know, we've had friends who have, you know, gone through things where they've lost all their hair or they've done other things. And so we were able to talk about that and, you know, be like, hey, remember this person who, you know, had to, you know, uh, put eyebrows on and, you know, this kind of thing. And so it was just, <laughs> it was kind of, and so- you know, it's going to be weeks, and it is definitely woke up again this morning and was like, ah, hey, right, yes, I cannot show that I am at least bit disturbed by this. Look, hey, give me a hug. How's it going? So, weird. Ch- child, six going on seven, wants to cut their eyebrows. I don't think well, there's, there's, you know, ultimately there's not a lot you can do. No. It's going to happen. I mean, One way or another, those eyebrows are going to get cut. She's gonna cut. She's cut her hair before. She's. Uh, I, now I was mostly concerned. I was like, "Did you? Were you okay with the scissor? It's a tiny kind of sharp scissor, very close mm-hmm. to your eye. That was like kind of Ooh. my bigger concern. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want that. In my head. I don't know. How is it? We're talking about scissors on every podcast this week. <laughs> In my mind, I was thinking of the plastic safety scissors, which probably like not a lot of. Can't really cut hair with those. Yeah. No. These were like very small. Like I think they're my wife's like nail scissors. Sewing, sewing scissors, like the ones scissors? that are like okay. for for cutting threads. Okay. Uh, and stuff like that. So it's funny because I just watched the episode of Jackass where they wax Steve-O and they wax his eyebrows. <laughs> oh, oh man, those might not come back. I didn't know anyone on the planet still watched. I mean, no offense to anyone who still watches Jackass. Aren't they bringing it back? Not considered. Like, well, yeah, there's, there's one. They're doing one more movie. It's coming out later I, this year. Really? Yes. I had not considered the viewing of Jackass to be a thing that someone might still do in 2021. But here mm. we are. I again, no, nothing. You know, love if, Jackass. If into Jackass. Do you? Yes. Oh more, my gosh, Alex, this might you. be the furthest divergence you and I might Really? I, well, I don't hate I don't hate Jack. I have a real thing about like I have a hard time watching people get hurt. So yes. Okay. Yes. So, so like even even skate videos where people get hurt, I have a mm-hmm. very hard time. Like somebody jumps up on the railing, I immediately turn away and I'm like, "Well, mm-hmm. I know how this is going to end." So I like so for me Jackass is just the boiled off all of the remaining liquid in that pot. And it's just people mm-hmm. getting hurt and embarrassing themselves. I also have a high discomfort level for people 
making other people embarrassed. So like, it's just, it's just those two things combined to make Jackass maybe the most not show for me ever. Yeah, I get it. Like there is definitely like I, there are parts of that show I can't watch. Like when it gets into the heavy body fluid stuff, like I'm not into that at all. Like mm. I tend to skip through those parts. But like I did grow up watching a lot of skate videos yeah. and kind of being in that sort of, you know, scene is the wrong word for it. But like it was the stuff that I kind of grew up watching. And Jackass, like you said, is a distillation of a lot of that with sort of a prank show layer on top of it. Yeah. And I just... I don't mind it when there is a degree of consent in there. Like all these guys have signed up to be part of this. They are doing this of their own volition. You know, it like, and most of the stuff they do with like random strangers is not particularly like problematic. Like Mm. it's just, you know, they walk into a sporting goods store and starting boxing match and the clerks are just confused. (laughs) Like that to me is just funny. Yeah. Like I can watch, I I can watch like a mega 64 video where, you know, the, 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 the crowd isn't in on it. Like that to me is goofy. Um, it's when I think there's like some harm done in, yes. in the process. A little bit of social engineering, fine. Massive yeah. cranial trauma, maybe. <laughs> like I'm saying, so, like, first of all, this last Jackass movie being called Jackass Forever is pretty good. Yes. Second of all, I'm looking at the IMDb page for, you know, again, a movie that's not out yet, but under trivia, Steve O got the worst concussion of his life on Jackass Forever. Oh, R- no. Right under that, quotes from trailer, Steve O. Concussions aren't great, but as long as you have them before you're 50, it's cool. <laughs> That's hmm, hmm. Uh, Steve O. There's should, a reason should, this is the last one. We should uh, <laughs> we should we should note Steve O. Not a doctor, as far mm, as I know. No, but he has been to a doctor enough times that I'm sure he has been told at least one thing or another about this. It's like stuff. yeah, he's like he's got a do, 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 good a good three years left or so before he's 50. So <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah. I I don't even if, know the cat because uh, Steve O. And then there's Johnny Knoxville. Yes. That's another. Yes. That's kind of the, Johnny Knoxville is like the ringleader. Steve O is the crazy. Pearl. He's sort he's of the like wild the, he's the, the, he's the, the, the circus boy. Yeah, he is the, okay. he is the has no self-preservation mechanism guy. He is the, okay. will, yes. he is the will do anything regardless of potential for bodily harm. Chris Pontius is like the sort of uh, muscly, good-natured, loving, loving guy. The dude who just likes getting naked in front of people more than anything else. But they all do the stunts. Mm. Yeah, they all do some yeah. version of this. Like, so, not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm sitting here queasy just thinking about it and had to go in and get freaking uh, spinal surgery from sitting in a chair too long or whatever, whatever happened. So, like, who knows? Go in a shopping cart and ride it off the Empire State Building. Like, maybe you'll wind up in a better situation than just sitting here yapping about Mario Brothers for <laughs> 10 hey, years so, of your life. <laughs> I don't know. Look, the reason I never became a great skater is because I'm too afraid of hurting myself. Mm. And I never really got was willing to throw my body into it the way that it needed to for me to get better at skating. And, you know, like, I, some people are just built different. Yeah. I'm not built that way. I love the skate scene. I love the the stupid shit that came out of that and jackass included, but I am not the person to throw my body into the thresher. Yeah. Oh, or the thrasher, I guess, if you want to talk oh, about it. Throw your body into the thresher, you're not coming back out. Oof. Yeah. A certain amount of fearlessness required for stuff like that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Or short term memory. I don't know. Like um like, I don't have that either. Yeah. I I kind of do on that, but I have an overactive imagination where everything is just final destination constantly. So it is, it is not good. Um, 
not good. Everything- so you swerve out of the lane every time you see a log truck in front of you, right? Hell yeah, those logs are coming yes. off. Even if it's a flapping fucking canvas on a on a truck, I could see yep. what's happening there. I don't care if there's one chair in the back of that truck. I ain't, I'm not hanging out back there. Did you ever there. walk around Queens and see all those wrought iron fences? Out in front? That's just that's just waiting for somebody to trip and get a something impaled on one of those things. I I know what's up. Just. Stay away. Everything should have nerf on top on top of it. <laughs> I agree. Let's become a nerf society. <laughs> nerf nerf forever. Um should we get into some game stuff today? Today we're going to talk sure. about Hey, welcome to the Next Lander podcast. This is episode yes. 11 uh going up uh publicly there on uh Thursday, August 19th. If you're listening to this before then, it's probably cuz you're part of our sick Patreon, sick? sick, sick Patreon, sick, sick Patreon. Uh, you know, I would say they're I'd call them generous, lovely, intelligence. Oh, well, they know they're sick. Well mannered. Oh, I mean, it's sick in like the sick, sick. Bro. shaka. I guess they're also sick. Yes. Oh, also yeah. a bunch of sickos in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Getting, that, getting that early podcast. Um, we're gonna talk about Twelve Minutes, Humankind, Action Verge Two. I played a little more of that intro. Later on when we get to the news, uh, not too much going on this week, but we've got a little bit of stuff, including some stuff about Outriders, surprisingly, uh, coming up in, in the news, and some stuff, uh, you won't believe what's going on with Fortnite. Oh? But, uh, yeah. But, oh, yeah, no, I that, will. I've been in an incognito window on the front page of YouTube. Great. Fantastic. Great. You're <laughs> you're just getting all the Fortnite field, stuff. Field reporter here. Um, I have yet the thing I have not yet done on that incognito window in the uh, uh, or the 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 no playlist data window is click on that one YouTuber who is doing the uh, the TikTok stuff. It is one YouTuber I see constantly up there just being like, "Look at this TikTok stuff," and I have yet I've resisted the call. I mean, that's you know, if you don't spend a lot of time on the internet, you may have missed the fact that eighty percent of the internet is now about the internet. <laughs> just Most of the internet content the internet. that is coming out now is just recursive content about other content. Uh, yes, we so live in the Ouroboros. Yes, it's just people watching people watching people watching people. What happened this to the days of just people watching us watching a video game, <laughs> game get played? How have times changed so much? I just don't understand the world anymore. Uh, all right. If you missed it, up on uh, on one on these fine. No, I can't even say that with a straight face. Up on the platforms, what distribute media? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, like YouTube. Yeah, don't compliment the platform. No, don't do it. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't. Uh, there is a, a twelve. We did a video for twelve minutes. A pre-recorded, a video on demand, if you will. Mm-hmm. We took a uh, mildly extensive viewing of mm-hmm. the game. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, twelve minutes. Uh, I think it wound up being around under an hour, around forty-five minutes. And I remember before we got into that recording, I was like, we need some good twenty-minute videos. <laughs> Uh, that are, are not super long, but um, 12 minutes. Is I just it? assume everything, every target time we have will add about double to it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we you can go check that out. That's up now. It's pretty spoiler free, or I think about as spoiler free as you can get in trying to show off some of what that game is. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, it's a very narrative heavy game. If you're not familiar with the game, it is a, a, a basically a Groundhog esque time loop game wherein. You have roughly 12 minutes to make it through a vignette in which bad things happen and end poorly most of the time for the protagonist. Uh, And the setup for that is you come home as the protagonist. Uh, I don't know if they're actually named anywhere in the game. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's husband, wife. Yeah, husband and wife. (laughs) And then a cop, quote unquote cop. Uh, And then you kind of come home. 
that's where the loop starts. You walking in the front door and within that time frame, the quote unquote questionable cop, uh, comes in and ends things poorly for, uh, yeah, usually for both you and your wife. So you got to kind of uncover why it's happening, what's going on there, all sorts of things flying back and forth, forth, forth. Firth. Mm-hmm. Colin, wait, Firth. Colin, Colin Firth's not in this game. What? No, no, no. Will, Willem it's Dafoe. James McAvoy. Yeah. Willem Dafoe, Willem James Dafoe. McAvoy, and uh, Daisy Ridley. Uh, 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 should say, not that it is of much consequence, because I think they do a good job. Uh, Daisy Ridley and uh, James McAvoy doing American accents throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing, which I think they pull off pretty well. Uh, if I were going to say... They are professional actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Always, always a question of like, I would, or for me, like, I would have been okay if you just didn't do the accent, but fine. If you're going, it's for even funnier because Willem Dafoe is doing an accent. It's, it sounds like <laughs> it's like a weird Boston townie accent, is but that it is still an him? accent. It might be him. I, is that him? I there's something in there that does not sound like his normal. Okay, I don't like, know. Every time Hollywood I, stage voice. Yeah, every time I hear him talk, it, to me, it's just oh, that's just Willem Dafoe. That's what he Barnes. sounds. I mean, it sounds like Willem Dafoe. I'm not denying that. Barnes. Where's the watch? Watch. Where's the watch? Yeah, I don't know. Um, what is the quintessential Willem Dafoe role? What is if you were like this is mm, this is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, oh fuck! Is it Platoon? Platoon's up there. I don't actually like Platoon that much, but he is. I mean, you know, he is a fucking force in that movie. Uh, uh, the Green Goblin. <laughs> I mean, he was a good Green Goblin. For better or worse, that's one of the ones that comes to mind. Okay. Uh, I mean, no one is really going to go to bat for the Boondock Saints these days, but if okay. you ever wanted to see Willem Dafoe chew all of the scenery, <laughs> he is really chewing the scenery in that movie. Um, what's the, what's the video game? Antichrist, the Lars von Trier movie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that one. Probably not. What, what is the video game one he was in? Uh, the, the. Beyond Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. Is that oh, the right. one? God, I forgot he was in that. Maybe that's yes, that is the one game that I can point to that I know he was in. Uh, He's got to be another stuff. Okay, not his first rodeo here then, because for one thing, seems like they had him for maybe a couple hours. <laughs> so he doesn't. I mean, I haven't finished the game yet. Then he has. Mm. Maybe mm-hmm. there's more that I haven't seen, but it, he doesn't have a ton of lines. Uh he gets a he gets a, a decent amount. Okay. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say as much as the other characters, but he gets a decent amount. I mean, the main thing here is there's no mocap in this game. Like, it's all, you know, hand animated. So, like, it really is just him in a voice. Yeah, so the the entire game takes place in a tiny apartment. It's like a three, it's like a literally a living room slash kitchen, a bedroom, and a a bathroom. That's the entire apartment. And that's, unless, again, I haven't seen the end of it. Maybe it goes places literally as well as figuratively. Hmm. But everything I've seen, it's just a time loop in this tiny clockwork house. And I was not prepared for how much of a point and click adventure game it is like i, I knew it would be Very, that to some degree yeah. but it is really that it is like really yeah. a capital a adventure game the way the inventory like works you, and everything like up, it is just pulling from straight that. up got an icon bar for an inventory and you're like dragging an icon of one thing onto another thing to use that thing on the other thing you know yes. it is very much that use but, coffee mug on sink yes totally but uh but it's got like it's got almost like that hitman quality of you're in a time loop so you're unpacking how the events are scripted to unfold in this thing and then figuring out like, okay, how can I disrupt these to divert what this person's going to do or like find some new information that I can use on the next run. Yeah. And I'll say this, if you're listening to this and you're, you're kind of chatting about this podcast, so I'm not going to correct 
anything or kind of inject anything that I think is spoilerish as you guys talk because you guys have not. It's I I respect this game's. It's a very narrative heavy game. Well, I was gonna yeah. say I respect the the story they're trying to tell, but it is. It is a. It goes places in ways that I feel mm-hmm. like I am really interested to see what the discourse around this game once it comes out, which is coming to Game Pass. So I expect a pretty yeah. decent base user base on it. It's twenty five dollars. It's um, on Steam, on Xbox platforms, and, the, and the, on the PC on the Windows Store. Um, it was a thing where I wound up. I'm sorry, I, I I got wrapped up in the story and I didn't even realize what time it was. But shot off a message to both of you guys at like two in the morning. Um, yeah, I saw being that. like what the hell is going on? Are you guys, how far are you in this game? I don't even know. I don't even, what is going on? So like, um, I got, I got to some stuff after hearing you say that, that could be considered dark. And I wondered if that's what you were talking about. And then I ran it by you right before this. And you're like, yeah, you're not even in like, you're not even in the deep end yet. Yes. Yeah, so you are like, still getting into the pool. The stuff, the stuff I've come across already is like how, like using items on specific, a person's specific body parts. Yeah. And the consequences of that. And that's apparently not even like the bad stuff yet. So uh, here's a question I will try to ask as broadly as possible. So you do not have to give any specific details, but when you're talking about this dark shit, Vinny, yeah. uh, is it a thing that is specifically depicted or is it just the tone of where the story goes? Oh, uh, it's, I mean, there is definitely some dark stuff you could do. And we, we show off some of that in the quick look. Yeah. Of like, yeah. You know, uh, but, there, but, but it is more, um, it is matter? more the, 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 it is the weight of the story itself. It's, yeah. Okay. It, okay. It, it, okay. Like by the time I finished that game and, and I'm not trying to oversell it. So, you know, I, I'm just saying that like, it was one of those things I talked to my wife about and was like, Hey, this is kind of messed up. Right. And then, and she was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's not just you. That's uh that's some stuff. Um, okay. it's, so it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's like, it's disturbing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because like the character, your, your character, the protagonist is very aware that he's in a time loop. In fact, like yeah. a lot of what he's trying to do is to get out of it. Like he's kind of desperate to break out of the loop, but there's like a lot of pretty graphic situations you can engineer, you know, you can like, you can, you can set it up so that your wife electrocutes herself. You can stab yourself in the chest with a butcher knife or kitchen knife. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of like graphic violence and character death that you can get into. Yes. But your character seems pretty blase about the whole thing because he seems so aware that no matter like anything that happens is very temporary. Right. Like, right. it, like he, it does have like, that like Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Like he's, he's got this like detached quality. Like, fatalism. Like when your wife gets electrocuted and dies, like he does not emote that much over it because it seems like he understands that like, well, this is just one of a thousand possible outcomes. And within the next six minutes, everything will be back to normal again. You know, like it's, this, I should it's reset my progress vibe. and see what happens if you do that on the first run <laughs> before he knows there's a time. Right. And that's, they- that's another interesting aspect. That's kind of the flow of the game. And it takes, it took me a while to like get my head around this is that you are kind of building up a, like a, a store of information, mm-hmm. but it doesn't quantify that the way that like, like outer wilds is not a bad analog for this game, I think, because that is also a, you know, it's a 20 whatever minute loop. Mm-hmm. Um, but that game is exactly the same thing of like every 20 minutes, this resets to, to zero except for whatever you learned on the last run. Right. Except in that game, it has that rumor board on the spaceship, so it very visually keeps track of all the stuff you know. This one is a lot fuzzier about, like, expecting you to just keep that stuff in your head rather than the characters. Like, occasionally he'll pop out and say, 
oh, now I got to figure out how to get her yes. to do this. Like occasionally he'll drop a, a comment here and there, but it's a lot more vague about like what you should be keep tra- keeping track of and how that will change things right. to the point that like I had to learn the lesson at some point um, to just like occasionally try things that hadn't worked before to see if they would work now. You know what I mean? Right. Like there were, there were like, there were things that had seemed like dead ends before. It's like, Oh, I tried using that item on this or I tried asking her this and it didn't do anything. So I just gave up on it. But then hours later realizing like, Oh, now because I know these two other things, if I ask her that again, or if I try this item again in the same way I did before, I'm going to get a different result this time. And that took a while. It doesn't mean that there's no interaction. It just means that you weren't ready for that. interaction. Right. And it doesn't call that stuff out. So it kind of takes, it took me a while to really get my head around like making progress in this game. It, it's got fairly large seams in, uh, in, yeah. in the game, uh, not not even just on the technical front, but um, th- they seem to be trying to do a thing with the dialogue choices where if they're highlighted, it's for, there's more to explore within that dialogue choice. And if it's grayed out, you have kind of dead-ended that dialogue choice. But then sometimes you'll go into a grayed out one, and at the end of that, we'll sometimes get a hi- new highlighted one, like uh, something that has been done before that's like, oh, there's more in here. So that can be kind of infuriating. Um, and and some, of the, some of the things lock you into um, paths you can't recover from. If you, like, it, kind of unintentionally on your part. Like if you are like, oh, I'd like to explore this, suddenly you're off on this conversation bent that locks you out of other dialogue choices because your wife won't respond to you anymore or, or you might not. And it was kind of a longer longer thing like it gets to a point which i kind of like where say you uh one of the things you have to do very early on is try to prove that you're in a time loop to your wife to kind of uh prove it to her and eventually you kind of go through all these machinations to do that and if you've done that enough times or you've you've gotten enough information you don't have to go through the mechanics of proving it he just kind of spits out all this information that's like ah just listen to me you're you're in this thing you would you had Uh, told me that before and i but i just last night before i went to bed finally hit the first like I mean, there have been some of those, but I, I hit a major one where, okay. and it, it was a huge relief because yeah. there are situations you need to set up in that thing to like incapacitate somebody or get people where you want them to be able to like question them or whatever. Yeah. That is like kind of a lot of busy work. Like yeah. it's a whole lot of like, well, I'm going to fill, fill these cups up with water and then go in here <laughs> and open this cabinet and get a thing yeah. and then like go press this button twice. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a lot of setup for these things yes. that takes like a significant amount of time. Only to occasional like like you'll get past that and get people where you want them and then immediately screw something up or like ask the wrong question. Yes. It's like oh, it took too long doing something. Right, like oh, I yeah. waited five seconds too long to do a thing and now I can't do it anymore. Or oh, I asked a question that apparently results in my death, and yeah. then you immediately just have to start that whole process over. So right. that is so a th- little bit that's a little bit clumsy. But yeah, I finally got to one of those last night where it was like, okay, now he knows enough to instead of doing that whole preamble, <laughs> I can grab one item and show it to somebody. And yeah. that's it. And I can skip that whole thing now. Like those, those moments are satisfying, but getting there sometimes like feels like it discourages experimentation sometimes because it takes so much busy work to, to set things back up. It, it, it also, it, it's interesting uh, in 12 minutes where it has this, you really, it's such a small space, but it is actually, as you get into it, realize there's a lot to interact with yeah. there and a lot of very small things happening. So, you know, for better or worse, depending on what your patience level is, it kind of demands that you are paying just intricate attention to everything that's happening. Um, just one of the things that I'll uh, I'll say I don't want to spoil much here, but um, like you, you you if you want, um, there's a point where your wife uh, sets a table and you guys have water goblets and stuff like that, or water cups and stuff like that, 
goblets. <laughs> goblets. She has like a mug um, yeah. filled with water. But, um, you know, you kind of have to know during the course of this 12 minutes when she has taken a drink of water. Right. But, like to, to kind of move some stuff that, forward or that. Not is exactly the thing I was getting at earlier of like, I had tried a thing, but apparently it yeah. was after that. Right. But so that, you might and, not know why that right. was after that. So, if you were in another room or weren't paying attention to the scene. So you're kind of sitting there sometimes just staring. That, that is at, exactly what happened to me of like, well, um, I tried the thing I thought would work, but apparently I did it a little bit too late in the cycle. Yeah. And, but it doesn't give you any cue that like, Oh, you were on the right track. You should just maybe do it a little earlier or wait for this thing well, to happen. Well, it hints at it, but not in ways games usually do. It's right. not, it's like, it'll just be like, a, no, thanks. I'm like, I'm good. Like, you know? And you're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess this doesn't work. Whereas uh, it might even be as explicit as like, I'm not thirsty right now. Right. And you're like, oh, is there ever a point where you are going to, like, do I need to get saltines? Like, <laughs> what, a, mm-hmm. what? And that, and like, that's not a thing that would be out of question in this game of setting up something to be like, oh, how do I make this person thirsty? But uh, it, I, I really enjoyed it. There was only one or two places where, uh, I thought the game asked you to do something that felt out of character and it wasn't in a terrible way. It was just in a way that I was really stuck for a good long time um, until I had to do a thing that the game had not asked me to do before. And that's how I moved it forward. And I will say for, for those who have finished the game and are listening to this later, because um, I'm sure a lot of people are skipping this, maybe coming back to it later. I did get to a point where I, I believe I am done with the game. So uh, mm-hmm. I got full, full on, full cast and credits, the credits on black screen. <laughs> the one, yeah. the one review I looked at this morning said almost exactly what you just said. Of like, okay. I, I think I finished. I think it. I got the. I ending. think I yeah. saw the full ending. Like even th- that review was also not sure if they've seen everything. Yeah, I, so I think I, I'm along with that review. I think I, I think I did, um, and still left that game fairly uneasy huh. in, in, in a way that was like. I don't know if I feel great. (laughs) Should I? um, It is. Should I? It is interesting. I'm sorry. You said the name of a movie before we started recording that kind of summed up your feelings. Should we say it? I don't want to spoil it. I don't want people to have uh, expectations like, um, but you know, it definitely, it left me feeling uneasy. Very dark, dark subject matter. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. Like, and you know, we, we've known about this game for a long time. We saw it, like we met the developer, like what, back in 2015 when he was right. first kind of pitching this thing and, and putting it out yeah, there. I went back and looked at some of that video. Like you should go look at that actually. Cause it's very clearly a prototype, you know, it's like super basic yeah. geometry, all flat shaded and stuff like that. But like the basic layout of the apartment is kind of there. Although it's like, Oh, the kitchenette is on this yeah. side of the room instead of that side now, you know, but like, yeah, you can really see the foundations of that game even like six years ago. There are some spoilers in that video, by the way. There's oh, one puzzle yeah. thing I remembered huh. that was in there. Interesting. Yeah. But so the interesting thing to me is that, like, the le- it's like you said, with the, the lack of the sort of the hints and sort of just kind of letting you just keep poking around at this thing, it's a puzzle box. Like, the world is a puzzle yeah. box. The story itself is a puzzle box. And it's interesting to me the idea that, like, the solution to the puzzle box is not something that will ever make you feel like, Oh, I'm satisfied. I finished that. You know, I, I I solved the mystery. I figured out the thing. It's literally like every new thing that you open, just like more bad shit keeps falling out. Like it's like the fucking Hellraiser puzzle box. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like that that's like there's something kind of daring to me about that that sure. I, I I respect. Yeah. Oh, I really Obviously, want, I'm no, I'm not as far along I as I really either want you, you guys to finish it. Yeah, you, yeah. You're totally right though, in a sense that like you don't 
I didn't necessarily feel like I solved the, the Rubik's Cube or puzzle box, more that I got it to a place where I could put it on a shelf and walk away from it and be like, you know, I just shouldn't touch this anymore. This I thing just, is bleeding now, <laughs> and I'm just going to leave I it just, alone. I just I just should. I keep making it worse. I'm just not going to touch it anymore. Um, it's, yeah, it definitely, it, for those getting into it, it skews more on the darker side of time travel stuff. More, I, I'd say it skews less on the back to the future fun side of time travel stuff. Oh, that's more, very clear, even from the beginning. Yeah, more yeah. on the primer and butterfly effect side yes. of things, of like the coherent side of shit, uh, or the like. Mm, it's this ain't gonna end well. Time travel maybe is a thing we should never touch. Uh, yeah. side of things. So, um, yes, like again, like your your character is pretty stone faced about the fact that he could try electrocuting his wife in order to solve a puzzle. <laughs> Yeah, or or right, or or take yourself out, or or, or yes, yes, kill yourself, or, or like there's it's, it's, you can yeah. you can you can do some pretty uh, uh, disturbing things, heinous things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's uh, uh, again, it's not one of those things where like it's not for the faint of heart. It's just it's just very disturbing, and the subject matter actually uh, left me very uneasy. Uh, yeah, and, I really and, need and, to see. I need to what, see the, the rest of the way it plays out. I have gotten pretty painfully stuck a couple times. Um, and, and actually the act, the uh, actors in it, like uh, Daisy Ridley and, uh, um, uh, McAvoy, James McAvoy. Willem Dafoe has their own thing going on, <laughs> but like, he's, he is again, very Willem Dafoe. Um, yes. some of that, some of that stuff, it gets like kind of, it's kind of pretty heavy and, yeah. uh, in, in ways that you're like, Oh, I think that the uh, acting is very good. Like the, the line reads are very good, but the <laughs> mechanics of stitching that stuff together don't always work super well. Like. Like you'll get, you'll get, yes, you'll get a lot of line reads that were very clearly like given very different direction, like right next to each other where like Mm -hmm. she'll be very upset with you about something and then she'll immediately shift back into like pleasant sounding because like they just, you know, it's a, it's a small game. It was a small team. Like I'm sure, you know, they only had so much time with the actors, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like they only had so much to work with, but like you said, you see a lot of the seams there where mechanically the parts don't always mesh together super well. You get, you get line reads that are like feel like the line coach or the director wasn't exactly sure where that line of dialogue was going to come in as they're, so you get things that are like, you know, instead of somebody saying like, you put it there, like for William, William Defoe to say like, uh, it'll say more like you put that there, you know, like, or something like that. And it's just like, no, that's, uh, he says something later on where he says, the way he says prank call, like you you hear, also you hear this stuff a million times, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Where he says, he says something like, and it could just be Willem Dafoe not ever hearing the word prank call, but it's like, I think you're getting a prank call. <laughs> it's just like, like I've never heard anybody say that that way, but now I've heard you say it about a thousand and fifteen times. So I think you're getting a prank call, uh, which is just weird. Yeah. Anyway, even even, even logically, once in a while, like there, I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was. There was a point where I had an exchange with the wife where it was essentially like a paraphrasing. It was basically she like said something about a thing. And then in the very next exchange, she said, I don't know about thing. Like, oh, she, right. she, she clear commented on something that then she immediately turned around and said she had never heard of, you know, like, so like yeah. occasionally it'll just like the flow chart will just kind of break on the dialogue. It's a lot. There's it's, a it, lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. behind the scenes, like d- d- designing, variables, designing yeah, the all the level of maneuverability they give you yeah. within that space yeah. is like it, by nature complicated. Yeah, like I, you know, it's it's ambitious enough that I think you can overlook occasional stumbles like that. And you could definitely see the gears slipping and and crunching and grinding up against each other sometimes when you're like, 
what? And especially as you try your best and your damnedest to, to break the sequence because you want to get to the next thing. And you're like, what if I went in here when Willem Dafoe shows up? He's like, oh, he's having trouble navigating through this space to pull me back <laughs> out to get me now over Daisy Ridley, who's on the ground, to put me on the ground in this very specific spot where I have to be so the sequence can continue with this other thing. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's but it's but it is interesting. Uh, again, I am very curious to see what the dialogue around some of this stuff comes out to be. Please, um, discourse is the term we use now. Sorry, the discourse. As Danny DeVito would say, you know, discord me, it means you, mm-hmm. you don't get along. Um, see what that stuff is. Uh, that's 12 minutes. I think it's $25, but it's on Game yes. Pass if you have that. Uh, it's also on Steam. I think other platforms have not been announced, but I think uh, I think maybe hinted at as, as yeah. possible in the future. Yeah, I'll be, I uh, like you. I'm very curious to see how people respond to it. Especially because it's on Game Pass, like specifically. Yeah. A lot more people are going to play this because it's going to pop up on that like new on Game Pass list and like yeah. curious to see how many people get through it and what they have to say about where it goes. Also curious what uh what uh um despite the subject matter of the whole thing, what the optimal like the the quickest they can't what a speed run of that Yeah, like speed speed runs and also like alternate paths. Like that's the other thing I'm curious about. Or sequence is, breaks. Are, yeah, are there are there a bunch of different valid routes through this game or is there just yeah. one? Like I'm I'm I I can't I'd really curious to see people break it down mechanically. Um so yeah. I I, I think I saw a lot of the content in it, but I bet there's a, still some stuff that I think I missed, you know, just in yeah. terms of paths you can take yeah, i guess like the only that's the thing you can if you find a path that works there's a yeah. chance that you're overlooking other stuff that didn't necessarily work yeah. but would have been you know giving you some some additional flavor the, the biggest lesson i can throw out in my experience in the vaguest way possible is just don't ever consider a dead end truly a dead end mm. right like always go back and check things that you think aren't going to work because they might work later that's that's uh, the, that's I, the that's the biggest uh hang up i've had with it I'll I'll say this for the part I got stuck. Sometimes the sound cues are very important. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. so the, the the sound design in that game can also be pretty integral. Yeah. Um, played a decent amount of Axiom Verge two. Uh, Alex, I think you played some of this as well. Brad, yeah. did you get yeah, into I played it about as much? an hour, hour and a half. Of Just it. a little bit. Yeah, that kind of surprise launched right before last week's podcast. I think. Yes. Uh, that's out. Yeah, that was a surprise launch announced on that Nintendo stream, right? So yeah. that was yes. uh, on the the Switch. I played it uh, on the PC. As did uh, I. Same. And um, I think it's twenty dollars. I want to say. Uh, uh, it's so where we all where did we all come out on Axiom Verge One? It I it seemed like on paper that game should be right up my alley, like for me. Hmm. And it really just like something about it. I got I got in that game to the point where things like really started glitching out and like reality started becoming somewhat surreal, like digitally mm-hmm. surreal. You remember that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like like you were getting into some weird ROM hack territory and like it just kind of lost me somehow. Okay. I, so I, always I, think would... it, I always think of that. I think I've said this recently, but it, it came came out right like within a couple of weeks of the first Ori. Mm. It's like two very different takes on modern Metroidvanias and I very much fell on the Ori side of that split. It's it's it is a for me. I, I kind of had a similar thing, right? I think I enjoy all the mechanics of, of of that game, and then something else must have come and swooped in and taken taken me away from it. I don't remember myself disliking it. I just remember myself getting taken away yeah. from it. Yes, yeah. it just didn't grab me. Yeah. Uh, this one, this one, I think I'm about four or five hours in, four and a half hours in, approximately, and. I do. I do enjoy. It. I like. I like the pace of the upgrades. I like the pace of the, um, 
exploration. I, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty, it's pretty good about pointing you in the right direction without hitting you over the head with what you have to do next. So I kind of like that. Like you'll get to points where you're like, I'm not even sure if I should have this upgrade right now. And that's kind of always fun, right? Where you feel like you're yeah. getting one over on, on a game. Uh, or like, hey, is this a missable upgrade? I'm not even sure. And then you reach a part where you're like, oh, no, this is not a missable upgrade. The, the ability to do this is not a missable upgrade. Um, and and where I'm at in the game now, they've they've actually changed a bit of the gameplay uh, um, significantly. So mm-hmm. um, if, if you're, I'm not going to spoil it, but if you're playing the game, maybe you know it's about, you know, again, four and a half hours in. And uh, at some point in the game, pretty early on, you get the ability to... Um, control a little uh droid like a little mm-hmm. uh a thing that can go inside portals and then you get this other gameplay mechanic where you are now zoomed in a lot doing these uh smaller uh combat puzzles not combat but puzzles it's very similar gameplay just you're playing as this droid uh and i and um some of the gameplay changes later on without going to, into too much of the details there but i like it you know it's very much traversal I guess I give whatever. It's Metroidvania. It is, uh, <laughs> it's a Metroidvania. It's a Metroidvania. Does it, does it, it's a, does it's combat. Does it, yeah. Does it stay melee focused or does it turn more into a proper? You shooter? have a ranged weapon and, yeah. you, and you have, okay. you have some really cool abilities for yeah. traversal. Uh, you, you get this hack mechanic. I don't know if you guys have both gotten that far into it where you have this ability to mostly interact with the, you're, you're in this world that is populated by robots and AI and stuff like that. So you get this ability to spend energy or points to hack different things in different ways per enemy or object. One will be like, slow it down 50 points or whatever else activate this platform. And that's interesting. You know, that's, that's a, that's a fun mechanic to exploit. Do you, so, I mean, you helicopter into Antarctica at the beginning and when you pull up the, your your little graph paper map, it straight up says Antarctica at the top. Like, (laughs) are you location hopping later or does the whole game take place there? Uh, you, so I think that's, I think that they actually, did they name drop McMurdo, McMurdo They do Station? straight up say oh. McMurdo Station. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, you the, the, I'll just say this. The game takes place majority in an alternate world. So, okay. Uh, okay. You, I just, for, are, when I saw that, I just, I immediately had like flashbacks to NES DuckTales of like, oh, are you going to go to Transylvania later? <laughs> are you going uh, to helicopter into the Amazon and then go to the moon? Uh, They're getting into some very, like, ancient archaeology stuff in Antarctica, which sort of leads you to a place where it is, like, you know, not exactly an alternate universe, but, like, definitely seems like it is an alternate dimension. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, or or timeline. Yeah. Um, So it is, uh, you know, you are, you are in that regard hopping around a little bit, but um, there are different areas for sure. Okay. Uh, and, and like, you know, the, there are different biomes within this, uh, thing uh, sure. yeah. that have different enemies and all that stuff. Don't I have not gone to the moon yet. Yeah. Do y'all feel like we hit a Metroidvania saturation point at some point in the last? <sighs> I mean, like I've never been the biggest fan, so I'm not the best judge of this stuff. Like that is just the structure of those games has never completely worked for me. Uh, inevitably I bounce off almost all of them, but I feel like Axiom Verge was one of those that people really liked, and I have not seen the same amount of enthusiasm for this one. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I just, I mean, I, for, for me, not like... negative, just people aren't necessarily, like, seizing on it the way they did that first one. Like, I, I did love the hell out of those games, mm. like, back, you know, yeah. Super Metroid era and stuff. Like, for a long time, it was very much, like, through the PS2 era, it was like, why the hell is nobody making games like that anymore? <laughs> those things are great. I would play anything anybody put out in that genre, but now we're at a point where, like... I don't know. 
people heard your call, man. They, they are <laughs> legion now, and it seems like uh, you know it takes a lot. Probably have a probably have a confluence of a couple of thing, a couple of things. One, a lot of indie games that are at this price point. Uh, you could spend that twenty dollars on a lot of stuff. Um, two, a lot of similar aesthetics now. Like there are a lot of pixel throwback games, and this one mm-hmm. does it well. Yeah, you it looks know, nice. It has that thing we've talked about before, which is always nice—the kind of older aesthetic mixed with modern technology. So you know, you know, hey, you would never see this effect in an older game. It's cool that you know it does this. And I think three of the stuff you're talking about is like we have had a lot of exploration ability unlocking games. Um, maybe not in this hewing this close to that Metroidvania style, but uh, definitely all games have upgrade systems. Uh, all and this this is a traversal one, right? This is very much mm-hmm. a get the ability to unlock the door or get the ability to get the to red missiles, the switch or yeah. what have you. Um, but I I'm enjoying my time with it. If it if it if it's not that long, I might finish it. I'm not, and again, I'm about four and a half. My understanding hours is in. it's pretty short. Um. Because uh, the 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 difficulty on it does also does not seem that bad. Like it, I'm yeah. kind of pushing through it. For in my mind, I thought Axiom Verge the original felt more difficult, or maybe I'm mapping that onto my memory of Axiom Verge. This one does not seem that difficult so far. Um, you know, I know I'm very good at video games, and so I know mm-hmm. it's unfair to just say that. <laughs> We're always telling you this. Yeah, we everybody can't all be says you, okay. Everybody mm-hmm. says that, and I should probably have put it on speedrun mode, but. Um, no, I like I'm making I'm making progress at a pace that's not frustrating for me, and and that's that's a good thing for me to stick with something. It's just one of those things, like hey, Axiom Verge too. Even though I'm enjoying this for Vinny, for me personally, we have to have an understanding that I just don't have that much time. <laughs> so like, like we can get through this, or I might have to put you down. Yeah, I, uh, I think you'll be able to get through it. Yeah, I, I hope so. Like I said, I'm enjoying it. Um, it was the first game my kids came and watched me play. Um, where they were at, my son was asking me so many questions about it. I was like, mm. dude, I don't know. What does that do? How'd you roll? How'd you do that? Why did you do this? Why is that person doing that? Why is that? Why doesn't he just play it then? Uh, and well, he should, he's asking because yeah. I think when he plays it, he's going to want to know that stuff, which is great. But definitely was like, dude, trying to play a game here. Why <laughs> not for yourself, man? Yeah. Just get in there i mean that's interestingly that was happening to me a lot with 12 minutes and my girlfriend like mm. she was watching me play she's like what's that why is that why is that happening what's <laughs> we, what's happening there what's happening with that guy we definitely had a kind of backseat gamer discussion sort of situation in my house at one point over that game of like she was getting mad at me for not doing the thing she was suggesting <laughs> and i was like no you don't understand like they take control away from you constantly in this game like you were it's kind of the thing we were saying earlier. Like, if you miss your window, like all of a yeah. sudden you're stuck in a 30 second animation of like, oh, I can't throw the glass at the guy's head because the game is just going to force me to stand here and take the punch right. at this point. Like, yes, it's, you it's just, just get that fast forward. It's yes, um, it's just scripted. I am going to get hit and go down. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, yeah. The I, I wonder if um, not to backtrack to 12 minutes too much, but in the confined space where that game is, and with the kind of constraints that are already in that game is there a case for that game to be a vr thing Mm. or is that too much for that game i don't know i mean i think for what they are doing with the characters and the sort of level of violence they are frequently inflicting i think that might be no thank you hang on are you talking about putting yourself in the perspective of the main character seeing things from his first person view or you talking about initially what i was thinking about or maybe you could just be a floating Thing, but I was initially thinking like you are uh, James McAvoy, you know, first person. 
Hmm. I mean, the models in that game are not detailed. I don't think you want to get no. that. Yeah, close. yeah, yeah. I'm setting that's the production issues aside. I'm thinking yeah. more like the overhead perspective. I think is really important for absorbing everything that is that's there true. in that apartment at, at yeah. a glance. Like if if you were having to look under things and like spin yeah. your view all the time, like you you can't keep everything in your head if you were at eye level. I think. That's but probably it, fair. Like you'd miss too much. Yeah, they, they they use perspective in that game to hide stuff in pretty effective ways. Like there's a thing that I've been looking for for hours that I finally yeah. found, and it was like you can't see it, but if you had known it was there, it's right there the whole time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was yes. it was right there yeah. in quote unquote plain view, even though they obscure it really well. It's if, actually well done. If I had just point. known it was there, you, you could you could just get it any time from the beginning of the game. But they um, they use the perspective pretty well. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to go back into 12 minutes too much, but yeah. That's that, fine. That, I, th- that, I think it's that, like by far the most interesting game. Out that part is very interesting. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break before we get into Humankind. Uh, <laughs> I thought there was something else after. It's just Humankind. Yeah, just Humankind. Get, it's just Humankind. This is nothing big there. We're going to take a quick <laughs> break, and then we're going to get into Humankind, and we'll be back with the news um, after that. Stick around. We'll be back soon. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions. And at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything. To find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some. Uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. (laughs) ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just used ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet, let's say. What what are you doing on that vacation there? I I had to access my GitHub account, Uh and I was doing some coding, and then I 
I used my ExpressVPN and then VPNed into my home computer. Likely story. Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's That's fast That's what enough. they all it's- say. It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi. And they didn't know they didn't know a damn thing. Says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN. Expressvpn.com slash nextlander. Thanks, ExpressVPN. And we're back. And we have nothing less to talk about than humankind. Oh, just that. A very light, easy, light, narrow, light show. Yeah. You know? Nothing, uh, just sum up, uh, spoken to that human kind, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that kind. Yeah, that kind human. Just talk about human kind. We're sitting human mids here. Yeah, none none of that human dank around here. Yeah. Um, just gotta, just gotta pick out all the bad seeds and then humankind is, it's gonna take a while. (laughs) Here to talk about humanity, huh? All right. Chances for survival. Let's go. What you got? Let's go. Uh, it's right on top of the head. <laughs> it's so, well, are we talking uh, w- the current current state of information? Like, what if, are the bets here? I'm sorry. There have been way too many climate reports coming out lately. <laughs> uh, kind well, of hard to think about much else. I mean, they in- even put climate change into the most recent Civ expansion. So, you know, it's, really? uh, it's there, yes. As a what? As a, like, a Actually, I don't know if it was the most recent one, but one of the No, it's literally like you will lose land mass over time wow. if you don't build up, if you put in too much pollution into the world, if mm. you don't build up, like, flood barriers around things, that kind of stuff. But, yeah. That was but a while is, ago. We're not talking about Civ here. But, very good. We are talking about humankind, and we are talking about it's Civ-adjacent. Yes. Alex, what is going on with the game Humankind? So, this is a 4X game from Amplitude Studios, the makers of the Endless Games. Uh, yeah. and was it Endless Space? End- Endless Space, End- Endless, Endless Fantasy? Uh, Endless, Endless Legend. Endless Legend, Legend. Endless Legend and I Endless believe, Legend, and I believe Endless Dungeon as well, right? Yes. That's a different, uh, yes, but a different uh, type of game. Yeah, not, yes. not, not a 4X game, but still also from them. Oh, no, D- Dungeon, so, of, Dungeon of the Endless, I'm sorry, is the name of that. Right. <laughs> yes. So this does not have Endless in the title, uh, and but there is some DNA, I think, from their other 4X games that have kind of made it way in here. But this is very much a Civ-like. Like, mm. there is so much Civ. That, that's, that's there for emphasis. The Civ hot rod taking off. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. There is a lot here that is very much the way, like... There are variations on themes, but the themes and the progression feel very much like we took Civ and we tried some different stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I um, the thing that struck out to me in my very limited time with the game, I should say, extremely limited, probably under two hours, um, Civ-like, mm-hmm. w- with, with the flavor from the Endless stuff, I've played on and off, played an okay amount of Endless games don't ask me anything about them i do remember the district stuff being interesting in the endless games and that is definitely in here but there's like kind of a little more snark in this than maybe is in the like it's doing the kind of snooty slightly (laughs) british or let's say very british and narrator thing that civ likes to do but like this guy is like a little more cheeky 
Yeah, a little cheek, a little like oh, nice. Oh, you're going to do that? Hmm? <laughs> like oh, you pick that civilization. Good luck, you know, like that kind. You know, of it's stuff. all well and good until they start worshiping the dollar. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right, and like that. That to me is kind of fun. Like they have a little yeah. fun with with it. Uh, you know, I think the setup and uh, intro vignette is kind of fun. I my favorite part, not my favorite part. One of my favorite parts of the Civs games used to be the intro stuff of like, all right, how are we gonna do it? How are mm-hmm. we gonna get from somebody lighting the fire? Cut scene, yeah, to lighten a lighten the candle on that rocket ship. How are they gonna do it this time? Uh, and this has a bit of that in the in that intro scene, which I kind of like. Yeah. So I've played about 250 turns of the first game. Like they, they, the very first game, they just set you up. It's like here are three different difficulty options. Mm-hmm. We are not telling you. You cannot customize the map or anything. We are just giving you a set number of sieves. This is your first run. Um, I respect that. I'm not that kind of player. I want to fiddle. I want to make sure I okay. know the exact number of sieves. I want to know the map size. I want rule sets and all that stuff. I want to fuck with that. Um, but. You know, I, I understand why they do this. They're trying to onboard you. They're trying to give you a sense of the rhythm of this thing. And I also, anytime I play one of these games, I always expect to lose my first one or two games no matter what. Because I Did don't you- know what the progression is supposed to be. I don't know like what being hopelessly behind versus able to catch up actually is yet. So that's what I'm still figuring out. Did you pick the, the there were three options, the uh, difficulty levels, or at least the tutorializing level, the onboarding level, right? It yeah. was like I chose I'm the middle the- one. Which was, I've played some uh, historical turn-based games before, but let's yes. b- bring me up to speed. Nudge, the nudge, that- wink, wink. You have seen a, the word Sid Meier in front of a title <laughs> yes. before. The one that was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> what are we getting into? Yeah. And one that was like, no, this isn't my first. No tutorial. Uh, just fucking go. Yeah, let's just go. Let's just get it hit me. I picked the middle one as well, which seemed to be about my speed, but it sounds maybe was a little slow for you. Like, I needed that refresh of... I mean, all the controls feel intuitive if you've played these games before. You're, you're going to move around the map. You're going to see pictures of grain on a tile. You're going to see mm-hmm. pictures. Uh, you're going to see a gear on a tile. You know, you're going to know what these things are. Armies are going to mass in front of a mountain range at some point. Yes, yeah. so I will say combat is actually one of the things they do a little bit differently. Okay, I was um, curious, like, what this actually brings to the table that is new. So the main thing, the one key difference that I think they've been pointing to primarily in all their marketing stuff is that you do not play as one static civilization the entire time. Okay. Um, Each time there's a new era, which you achieve by essentially getting to a certain fame level, which is essentially notoriety within the map and the different civs. Um, Each time time you, you, you max that out, you set up a new era. And so when you get to that new era you get a new set of sieves that you can choose from. And the thing is, you don't lose the stuff you had before, but the only thing you do lose is the name of the civilization, sort of the aesthetics around it, because they change to whatever you choose. But you get a new set of perks, basically, to go along with the stuff you already have. Huh. So are the, are the sieves at your disposal, are they actually, like, period appropriate? or Because yes. I, I assumed it was the sieve thing of, like, oh, it is, you know, we're ancient Rome versus, you know, like, colonial, you know... Colonial yeah. Britain or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like They're trying to get away from the thing where like America is there at the dawn of time. Right. Like which the, Civ the, has. It's the Civ thing is very much like Gandhi versus Cleopatra. Just like, ah, like yeah. historical figures left and right. It doesn't matter where they're from. So this is like. And more, they don't really. Is, sounds use, like this is more like rigidly historical. Yeah. I, they don't really. At least from what I've seen, they don't really use real leaders. Like your character is not a specific historical figure. There might be some avatars you can get that are. But. um generally it's just like no you are taking on the aesthetics and the name of each sieve that you you choose 
Uh, but then that shifts again at the next era. So I don't love that aspect of it. Mm. And I do, it's not that the, the, the changing of the perks, I think that actually is a really smart decision. I wish they had just removed the specificity of mm. like, you are now the Franks. You know, mm. you are now uh, this era of uh, this Chinese dynasty. Like, it's one thing to say you are pulling from them. You are pulling right. the things that they were good at. But I just I just get rid of the dressing entirely at that point. Like, create, like, a, a visual aesthetic that you want for your civilization that has nothing to do with, the, you know, like, I have to be China or I have to be this or that or whatever. But, like, don't change the name. Because there are times when other civilizations change and I've lost track of who they are. I was, I was going to say, like, it seems like... Wouldn't you have a new learning curve every era because you have to figure out like, okay, here is what maps to the, like I had this technology before, but now it looks different and has a different name. Like it seems like you'd have to relearn a bunch of stuff. It's not as bad bad with the relearning, but it is sort of like, oh, wait, this civilization, wait, who the hell is this civilization that's mad at me now? Oh, right. they're those guys. Okay. Right. So it's right. like, it's just, you have to kind of pick through and figure out where everyone else is. And I think that is kind of the thrust of this game you really need to be paying attention to what everyone is doing, not just yourself. And, you know, that's that's not unheard of in 4X games and Civ in particular, but it's very fiddly. It's a game that you need to kind of be looking at every turn and being very sure about what all your stuff is doing and like you are not necessarily min-maxing, but like definitely like focused on your goals at all times. And I think that is one of those things that is kind of a deterrent for some people with these games, uh, where they maybe don't necessarily want to have that hyper focus on every turn. Put it a little more on autopilot for some yeah. turns. The um, the combat, gosh, going to apologize because I'm not sure if I'm accurate here, but it does. I do remember something similar from the other endless games where it had a, a little bit more of a tactical feel to it, like this does. Yeah. Where it, put, it puts you on a kind of a smaller grid of hexes, and then you kind of position your armies, you know, starting locations, and then have a turn-based battle in that sense. Yeah. And I, I, it feels like that feels reminiscent of the other Endless games, but I can't say for certain. But I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, it does feel reminiscent to me, and I, I think I didn't like it at first, and then I kind of started seeing some of the ways you can make the combat play out, because terrain actually does matter. Mm. And also, defenses matter. Like, if I was on one section where I had taken over a city on a different landmass, and the other two civilizations that were on that landmass were not happy about it. Um, and so they kept sending troops into my zone and starting wars with me over it. And right on the border between what, that one civilization and the other, there was, like, this hill area that where they had a fenced-in section. And so as a result of that, if I engaged them with battle there none of my mounted units could get over to where they were because the fence was blocking them. Yeah. Um, and so I'd have to use my ground troops for that. Or if I pulled back and I let them move closer to me, I could then descend on them once they went over the fence. So See, there is some strategy there. Yeah, I think that's super cool because it's, it's not its own battle map. It is based on the terrain that you, in the world map. It's yes. not like it zooms in like a Final Fantasy game where suddenly you're like, all right, now here's the map. It's based on where you want to engage on the world map. And I think that's interesting, and I think that does, you know, in the Civ games, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I remember is like, oh, negative two penalty for being in marshland or something like that. Like marshland, crossing rivers, you know, having to go up a mountain or through a forest, that kind of stuff, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wonder if you can tactically get through a battle that you would normally be at a disadvantage in because you played smarter 
you know, led them into a trap or, or Oh, I, I've definitely won a couple of battles. I it, Like, the meter said I should not have because okay. I was in better terrain. I knew exactly where they were going to be coming, like, filtering in through, and I was able to that's just cool. kind of work my way through it. That's beating the odds. Yeah. yeah. That's that's how you conquer history. <laughs> have um, you, uh, have you yeah, gotten go much into the diplomacy yet? Yeah, it's interesting, and I think it maybe actually works a little bit better than recent Civ games because it does feel like the relationship management aspect of it does matter. Mm. Like, you can kind of just go about your business, just building stuff, expanding, what have you. I will say one interesting thing, just as an addendum there, is that there is no settler unit in this game. Um, Military units, when you go to different places that you do not control, can create an outpost anywhere that is not claimed already. And then over time, you can decide to spend, I think, basically like your cultural influence to turn those into cities if you want to, which become your permanent territory. Um, and that, I think, is actually kind of a neat spin on that as well. Um, because you have, you, there's actually like a max limit to how many cities you can have in an empire, depending on where you have progressed. Okay. Um, you can have more than the limit, but you take a culture penalty when you do that. Is that not in Civ? I thought there was like an over overreach in Civ. There is penalty. in five, and that is the the citizen happiness rating. Oh, okay. there is none of that in six. Okay. Um, okay. But so yeah, like the diplomacy, like you know, you have to sign treaties for everything. Like if you want to trade for more than just luxury resources, you have to sign a treaty for that. If you want a non-aggression pact, you have to sign a treaty for that. And the trading system, it's not just hey, you have that luxury resource, you have that. I want to trade for it. You're literally buying resources that the other civs have. So you're mm. paying money, and they are creating a trade route to you, which can be disrupted. Okay, And then when war starts, it's there's a meter up there at the top that is literally just like public opinion on their side for a war, public opinion on your side for a war. And when you completely drain their public opinion for a war, they have to surrender or, you know, something bad happens to them. Okay. Interesting. That's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Um, I, I come and go from these types of games yeah, i know sure. you have you have spent way more time living in this zone let's say an ungodly amount of time <laughs> i mean do you still play uh, civ 6 like it's pretty long in the tooth at this point right it's like five yeah five they did old. a big push uh up through the end of last year of new civs and some new modes and content and i think they are done with that now I was playing a decent amount last year because, one, I was home all the fucking time, and two, mm-hmm. they were doing this content push, so I was trying out the new civs as they were coming out. I have not touched it since then. I think the last time I played it was probably in, like, January. Um, okay. Civ Six got to a very good place. I really like where that game is at now. I think the expansions added a lot, um, and the civ diversity is generally very good in that game. Um, but, you know, this year, I think... More so than any other year since I've really been playing Civ, there is an actual diversity of options. <laughs> yeah, here. there's you no know, like Humankind is out. Yep. Old Ten World cr- came out uh, oh. in 1.0 in, 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 in July. I started to call it Ten Crowns. Yeah. Which, it, for whatever reason, they renamed it. <laughs> Still a way better name. I think I'm getting a little bit more of the addictive Civ thing from Humankind than I was from Old World. Like, Old World mm-hmm. is one I'm checking in on once or twice a week, just playing like an hour of a campaign and moving along. But I also think I maybe like Old World a little bit better just because it is kind of its own thing. Like, the the layer of Crusader Kings that's on top of it and the fact that it is only Ancient World 
and it is much more about the rulers than it is about like you know the the specifics of a sieve just going through the entirety of time i like that it has created its own little niche within that zone whereas humankind feels like it is very much just coming at the king and it does not <laughs> miss but i don't know if it fully connects yet okay it, it makes a glancing blow you might at the very least it scrapes okay does it do anything different with wind conditions? Is it still your kind of standard, like, cultural victory, technology victory, military victory? I think it is the same set of victory conditions. Um, fame is, like, the thing that is specific to it, but that is really just, like, I think your score victory more than anything else. Um, and I don't know yet, like, I, I have not gotten near a win yet. I am still. I think I'm past the medieval era. I'm maybe getting close to the industrial area or era, but I'm not there yet, so we'll see. Explore expands. Yeah. Exploit. Exterminate. The other? Exterminate. There yes. you go. All the X's are mm -hmm. represented. That's right. Um, okay. Humankind. Yes. Uh, I will say that is on PC Game Pass right now if you are looking for, uh, looking to just try it out. Um, it is also on, you know, Steam and the Epic Marketplace. But uh, I, I will say I tried to download it on Epic and it just would not run on my computer for some reason. Like it would just get to the opening loading black screen and then just crash over and over again. Oh, weird. You should update your drivers like me, who also tried to download it on the Epic Store and had it crash immediately to desktop. And yeah. Did you get the little, like, at first I thought it was like a loading bar because I wasn't so really paying I. attention. Yes. It was, yeah, the little, like, uh, debug thing that popped up that was yeah. like, it, you know, it crashed. It, it just blinks. And then a debug thing that's like, if you don't read it, like, I don't read anything that happens on my computer, it says, like, hey, we've encountered a problem, whatever, whatever. But I thought it was just a loading thing that was, and then I sat there for 30 seconds and was like, Oh, it crashed. Uh, this is never going to load. Well, whatever the case, uh, nonetheless, I got it working on Windows Store, and uh, it is it is fine there, as far as I can tell. It is fifty dollars. Yes, it's a fifty dollars game. 50? You want to buy it? Fifty dollars. You, you know, a, like a PC it, game, Brad. It, it's it's a fifty dollars. You know, you mean it's a budget priced game? That's not a no. It's a forty nine ninety nine typical PC game. That's twenty dollars less than seventy. That makes it a budget game. <laughs> Uh, I think there's some kind of deluxe version you can get if you want to get yes. up there in, in your sixty dollars. Yeah, uh, get up in your in your business. Published Humankind. by Sega. Yeah. Also, oh, is it? Sega. Yeah. I guess Sega's been doing amplitude stuff for a while, right? Yeah, I think they've they've been their publisher for God, a bit. It's so weird to think like Sega is like kind of a PC game publisher now. So much so that they are now getting into fights with talent because they can't do PC versions of the right. next Judgment game. Yeah, I mean, obviously they still put out a lot more traditional or games that are in their wheelhouse such as I mean, sonic the hedgehog perhaps you've heard of him mm -hmm. th th doesn't yeah. sega put out the total war games yeah I yeah yeah do. yes like yeah. The, you know it, it, it's it's been a thing for them for a while but this kind of euro eurocentric pc slice of sega still just mm. is weird to me it is but it's weird in the sense that they actually do it pretty well like yeah, by like, all accounts yeah, like totally. they you know there's lots of publishers that have tried to get into the pc space and not done a very good job of it whereas i feel like they have mostly hit and they have picked the right studios to work with and and sustained them like, I, like yeah. that's actually like they bought creative assembly like god how long ago 15 years ago or something crazy something, like it was that? at least 10 10 plus years ago and like they're still going right they still seem yeah. to be pretty well respected like a lot of publishers would have run that studio into the ground and closed it by now like, there was a time, probably, like, 12 years ago, I would have said Sega was not long for this world, in oh, yes. general. I think a lot of people would have agreed with you. But yeah. they have turned things around in a major yeah. way, and I feel yeah. like they have made good decisions, by and large, when it comes to their catalog. And, like, made some cool bets, even, where they didn't pay off, you know? Like, Alien Isolation, by all accounts, was not a raging success, but, like... 
But people still love that game. People it's still a, talk about it. And it's like a cool offbeat experiment that a lot of publishers would not have gotten behind, right? Yeah. And then they also put out uh, Colonial Marines, and they I hopefully learned right. something from that experience. Okay, I, take, I take back everything I said. Well, look, that was Gearbox. They just published it, but they mm. clearly they did not get what they were expecting from that. They they were in a very rocky... They, you know, got beaten up in the console wars, came out the other side, looked like it was dire straits, and then who strode through Sega, kicked open Sega's doors, the double doors of the Sonic the Hedgehog headquarters... But binary domain. Sonic the headquarters. <laughs> yes. Bin- the Sonic the headquarters and binary domain yes. walked in and said, I'm here to save you. Big, Big Bo. Big Bo swooped in and saved the day at the very last Saved the day. As only and he now, could. a healthy and functional company making all sorts of mish- Sonic mishmash games out there. Mm-hmm. And Civ likes. And Civ likes. Give me a Sonic the Hedgehog 4X. You'll probably get. Not too fast. Give it to me. <laughs> Nice. It only runs at one speed, too fast. T- you can't pay t- attention to what's happening. A turn-based Sonic uh, game sounds kind of amazing. Where just I, mean, I mean, if they made Sonic the Dark Brotherhood, I guess you kind of they kind of made that. Yeah, oh, boy, it cannot go fast. Cannot go fast. All right, uh, Humankind yes. available now. Um, I played a little bit more of that Atrio the Dark Wild games very briefly. It's a factory game that's still in early access. I will continue checking that out. As things on the Vinny scale of will I continue checking this out? I will continue checking this out. I kind of like what it's doing. It's still in early access. The Caravella conveyor belt. Yes, needs to needs to run smoothly. It's got it's got a kind of an um, interesting tone to it, and it's a little up a little, a little more up close and personal with its uh, its factory building. I, I kind of like the difference there. Atrio, the Dark Wild. There's a video of me playing some of it um, from this Tuesday. If you want to check Vinny that out. Morning. A Vinny morning. I have with to. Atrio. I have to confess. When I saw the first screenshots of that game, I thought more SimCity than Factorio. Mm. There's there's a very SimCity 2000 look to some of these screenshots. The diagonal, yeah. the diagonal yes. arrangement of everything just looks like streets and power lines and plumbing. For sure, I could get that uh, as well. I did not seem like your typical factory uh, game, uh, which I which I kind of like. Again, early access though, a little funky in spots. So that was uh, that was twelve minutes. Humankind, Axiom Verge two, and a little bit of that Atrio, Atrio, the Dark Wild. Now it yes. is time for the news. Ooh. And if you are wondering why we took a break a little earlier, it's probably because there's not too much news we picked to go over this week. Just a couple of things here. Ooh, yeah, as I a couple of little dealies. Couple of little, couple of dealies. Um, you know, let's we're, start. We're in a lull. The Gamescom stuff is next week. Yeah, and is, also you know, games are coming out. Yes, also games are coming out. Whereas it's not a heavy news period. At least they're not a heavy planned news period. Yeah, mm-hmm. Not a heavy. We intentionally made news out here. But let's start with a little bit of this. Um, what's going on? As always, we know why you come here, and it's because we are our fingers are on the ever beating pulse of the industry. And what I hear, hold on, put my ear to the track. Mm-hmm. Bunk bunk. Bunk, bunk. Oh, I hear the Fortnite train a coming, and uh, uh, I hear this game is popular with uh, the kids. And so let's get on the Fortnite train and talk about what is the pop. Hey, Wonder Woman's getting a skin in Fortnite, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how these things work in Fortnite anymore. Um, they work like McDonald's promotions. 
What what does that mean? Like you just do it? Yeah, no, you you pay them money and they give you a little John Wick toy to go in your <laughs> battle royale meal. Yes. Is uh is is Optimus Prime in Fortnite yet? Can you say no? Can I can't I say, say no. no. I can't <laughs> yeah, say no. 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 I mean, if you're going to put it that way, then no, we can't say definitively he's so not. So we should. What we can say definitively is that none of the three of us play a lot of Fortnite. No, I have to ask Abby what's going yeah. on in Fortnite. Uh, well. Does anybody know what is going on in Fortnite that is not necessarily just a new character skin, a concert, or some kind of live event? Uh, Yeah, they've rolled out a new mode called Imposters. Fortnite is not the imposter? It sure is. is, Well, you tell me. I don't know. It sure is a lot like Among Us. Perhaps you've heard of it. Yes. I have have heard of both Fortnite and Among Us. uh, Familiar with Among Us. What What is the mode have you do? I think you play Among Us. (laughs) <laughs> pretty much but no, i haven't but tried not it. licensed among us no yeah uh yeah i mean people you know this is dominating the discourse you might say okay near, near as i can tell i know alex seems like you've kept up with this pretty well but like like they shipped a map for this thing that is like only partially distinctive from the map in among us or one of the main maps like they called this you know the imposters mode when the word imposters is used pretty heavily in Among Us. Mm-hmm. Like the, the character skins are all the same colors as the Among Us characters. Like, it's legally distinct, let's say, but I don't know. It's the Among Us. It's, de- the Among Us, you know, but like part, part of the reason this is a story is the Among Us developers have not exactly been quiet about it. Yeah. Like, like several- there's a statement from Victoria Tran where she was like, we would have loved to work with them on something like this. Yeah. We would have totally worked with them if they'd asked us, but, you know, we found out about it when you did. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it's kind of incited a, a discussion about, like, potentially trying to copyright game mechanics, which I don't think is something you can do generally. You know, like, it's... No, it's not. And... But, uh, like, one of the one of the co-founders of Inner Sloth said, <laughs> said, we didn't patent the Among Us mechanics. I don't think that leads to a healthy game industry. Is it really that hard to put 10 more... Pen- Ten percent more effort into putting your own spin on it, though. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, I think that's really me. like how many how many billions of dollars are they raking in? And like, I again, I, I I lean on the side of all all artists steal, all creators yeah, steal. Yes, they like they game, they are inspired by other things, and in video games especially, like, like you're game not design, only game design might be the most iterative. Yeah, Leap, leapfroggy kind of process in like you don't just kind of steal like you are encouraged to steal ideas right. and find ways to recombine them into stuff that makes sense for your game. And, and it, it, listen, Among Us did not invent this genre. No, no. Of, so like no, but, but, but they wouldn't be doing this if it hadn't exploded in popularity. That's the last thing. Year. Like cr- crucially, uh, crucially, yeah. Among Us happens to be the big thing doing this right now. Oh, you, wait, a Brad, come on. Are you trying to say something like Fortnite would find what is going on and big in a, in an industry and then pivot, pivot and try and adopt that mechanic or that build into something else That's unheard that they of. would do in their game? That's unheard come of. On. It has de- definitely never happened before, like four <laughs> years ago, almost to the day. Well, look, it's not that it's not unheard of, but the thing that drives me a little up the wall about this is not the fact that they would choose to do a mode like this or what have you. And I'm not even surprised that they didn't reach out to the Among Us devs, because I imagine if they ever got into a legal tussle, if there was actual communication between the two studios, that would give Inner Sloth ammo to say, you ripped off our shit. The thing that drives me up the wall is that there, this is petty as fuck. Yeah. Like, the, doing it this way... And going about it the way you are doing it has a real 
we are annoyed that other players might spend their time in a game that is not ours. It's not yeah. just it's not good enough for us to be the biggest fucking thing in the world where every teenager hangs out with their friends and plays in this game. If any of them break off into this other thing, we have to find a way to capitalize on that and take that away. Like that is the feel of this to me, whether whatever they're saying or in this case not saying because nobody nobody says anything about Fortnite at Epic. They don't have a spokesperson. They don't talk about this stuff. <laughs> and I think that's probably for a reason. But it's just like you said, this is a billion dollar corporation. They are in litigation right now with Apple trying to, you know, like, you know, over stuff where they are trying to, like, you know, frame themselves as like this independent company that is being beaten down by this other billion dollar corporation. And like to do something like this in that format. It's just really grating on like every basic principle I have. It's just shameless. It's just a yeah, little bit. Sh- it's, it's, a little bit it's a little bit. A little bit shameless. How indistinct this new mode is from Among Us, the very popular implementation of this popular game mode. Like it has uh, real. I, we know we're ripping like, you off, and we don't give a fuck. Like I, I almost like this kind of feels worse than PUBG in a way, as as blatant as that was. Because like, like you remember that window when Fortnite came out, and it was just yeah. the horde mode with the yes, building, right. and nobody was playing it. And then mm-hmm. they did. They saw PUBG, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, cram PUBG into this game in a very short period of time." And then it became the biggest thing in the world. Like, you know, yeah. But even then, the building aspect of Fortnite felt like it was a pretty distinctive spin on a battle royale, right? As much as it was just PUBG at the core, like at least it had something different going on. But like this, now Fortnite has been the biggest thing in the world for what is it? Three years at least? Four like years? Four. I don't know. If I, I don't know if I had that timeline right, but it's like Fortnite has been dominant for a long time. At this yeah. point, like surely they have the resources to take this kernel of an idea and build it into something like different and more uniquely Fortnite, right? I mean, that's one avenue. The other one is like Fortnite. I was I kind of let off, not really realizing we get into this parallel to it, but Fortnite is the poster child for licensing other stuff and putting it into Fortnite. You can very easily have some kind of Among Us skin for your Among Us mode that you have now put in the game in some handshake, wink and nod thing, right? Like that yeah. is, I mean, Inner Sloth, I'm sure the, the, the company that, uh, the developers of Among Us, I hope they have done well with Among Us. You know, Well, they did well they, enough they, that they canceled the sequel to keep the yeah, developers on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think they're doing they, they, okay, they, but. They've had an interesting history with it where that game was not very popular and then became very popular, whether because it's the, of the pandemic and the way people were playing games or what. And had a weird development cycle with Among Us too, and said we're going to go back and fix Among Us and all that other stuff. But it's not on the level of Fortnite. So like, it's not. It's not like few Fortnite things are. Look, you know, Fortnite doesn't look at that and and then say like, well, you know, we're just you know knocking something off from the big guys. Like, come on, like it's just. I, I think shameless is the way it looks, and you should either be doing this with an agreement with the among us people, which I think would be fun of uh, get them into Fortnite. Yeah. I don't know all the details of whether something ha- it sounds like something didn't even happen behind the scenes and, and they went ahead, but I don't know. I wasn't in the room for any of this stuff. I'm not in people's heads or like you guys have mentioned, you gotta steer it away that you don't, don't use the word imposter. Don't use right. the same exact looking maps. Like you're really just trying to, you're trying to boost yourself on the heels of these other things that you weren't a part of because it is the um i'll just make up a french word like vive la fair like uh <laughs> that's that's uh it doesn't mean anything but there should be a there's now. a word that, uh, that 
there's a word there that I'm looking for mm-hmm. that's not coming to mind, and I don't have the time to find it. So is I'm there just a French word up. for the longing for a word that you don't know what it is? <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, it's it's um, yeah. I think I think the the word that comes to mind is shameless. Like yeah. ha- have some have a little bit of embarrassment about doing this. Yeah. You know, like I mean, if I, I if I was tasked with doing something this shamelessly, I would be embarrassed to be working yeah. on it. Uh, you know, it seems we have learned over and over that a gigantic piles of money are a great substitute for shame. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. We we'll see where this goes, but it, I think Brad, like you said, they. They aren't very responsive when it comes yeah. to yeah. Uh, engaging with that stuff. So that's um, literally the imposter's mode, right? In yes. Fortnite. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Again, I found I, the I think, imposter. It's them. I think like probably what is most notable about this to me is that inner sloth is still small and independent enough that they don't feel afraid of all just coming out on Twitter going like, Hey, what the fuck? Come on. Yeah. I think there were some deleted tweets, but yes. that's, uh, that's about it. So yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, here's another one that's in the news now, uh, or it didn't seem to be getting a ton of coverage, but it's not, maybe not a huge story, just more an interesting little tidbit about Outriders, a game that I have been playing, um, pretty consistently, uh, over since its release, I've been playing it with my brothers, if not every weekend trying to get there. And um, if I can just briefly aside here, a game that apparently released this year, despite the fact that in my brain, it came out like four years ago because everything at the beginning of this year feels like it was a million years ago. I mean, yeah, I get that, but also it feels like this came out last month to me. (laughs) Time distortion Um, is extremely real. Yeah. My, my, my older brother will occasionally say, uh, this, why do you keep picking games that feel like they came out on a 360? So there you go. <laughs> so, uh, Harsh. Uh, Thought you're supposed yeah. to be the professional here, but also yeah. that's not an inaccurate take it's on not Outriders. That it, it's not that inaccurate, also. So, uh, but again, we've been playing a lot of it, and so when this story came through that said um, people can fly, is saying in an investor. Uh, I think they the terminology in the story I read was investor note, but I, I don't know exactly what the investor interaction was. Four people can fly saying like, hey, we have not been paid yet uh, by Square Enix, who owns the IP and published Outriders. We have not been paid yet by Square Enix, which could says to us that it hasn't reached the threshold where Square Enix thinks it is a successful enough revenue target to then pay out above what they need to take. Basically, Square Enix. They're saying they have not broken even. Yeah, broken even to to pay out above it. So. To me, there's a couple of things going on there that are interesting because the game did pretty well by the numbers that have been put out. Um, you know, and, and it's Square Enix went out there and said, This is hugely popular, right? Mm-hmm. Square Enix got out there and said, This is this is our big franchise, we love this. Uh, I think everybody seems pretty happy with it. It was a Game Pass game, uh, which is I think it still is, which which is. So for, so for people that don't know, Outriders is this kind of co-op shooter, a PVE shooter, um, and it's a loot-based game, but it has no season pass. It has nothing you can pay for in the game. Yeah, it's not really a live game. It's not really a live game. Like, it is, it's not a services game, really. It's, um, you know, you're playing online with people, but, you know, there's not really a hub world. It's not like a Destiny. You know, you kind of load in at the screen and then jump into the game. So... It, Coming out on Game Pass, gets players in the game. It looks like there's an active community. 
But once you're grouped up, you're not really, I have not found, you're not really interacting with other players that much once you're grouped up and you're not dropping money to get better loot or stars. Or yeah, what is, I mean, it's got a social hub. I think it's, you know, the Destiny Tower, the Diablo Town-ish kind of thing, right? Like you see players in that home base running around, right? I don't think, I don't think you ever see other players outside even, of your initial group. Do you not even see them in the hub? Interesting. It's been a I, while. At least I have, I do not remember seeing it. So for so for a game that um doesn't I mean at least to my knowledge doesn't seem to have money to get from outside sources being on Game Pass is an interesting choice. I mean you you want that player base. I'm pretty sure like they have shards to upgrade your weapons. I, I don't think you can buy them all. I'm pretty sure that they said they weren't going to do microtransactions at launch. Yeah. Uh so I don't know. It's interesting. The other thing that's interesting about this is the People can fly not having a clear picture of the sales from Square Enix is maybe a level of publisher developer relations that I necessarily wasn't aware of. Yeah, like there are some pretty conspicuous quotes in here from the CEO of People Can Fly, such as we do not have any sales figures for Outriders. We estimate sales to be between two and three million copies, but like the fact that they would have no visibility into the sales numbers of their own game through their own publisher. That's um, not good. Yeah. It- I don't know if that's normal or not. It, I don't think I've ever really encountered that before from a developer saying that kind of thing. What yeah, little, I mean, it varies, I think, from company to company, but I will say from my very limited experience, you can't always just get numbers at the ready, but usually I feel like there are times when they will come to you and be like, okay, here are your current sales numbers. Here's yeah. where you're at. Yeah, like they, they say, People Can Fly says they... they are going to continue analyzing and like seeking explanation from Square, Square Enix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do say it is worth noting that such explanations take time and our influence on the publisher's position is limited. <laughs> so like uh, that sure does sound like some real binding contractual language. They only have so much they can do. Like this just raises like interesting questions on the back end about the nature of a sale in the era of Game Pass, right? Like what mm-hmm. constitutes sales numbers in an era mm-hmm. where a bunch of people are not buying games. They're just downloading them and playing them and then being done when they, yeah, know, when their subscription sure. ends. like it's, and like, like, you can't look at concurrent players and, and, and extract money from that. Yeah. And like, you, you know, I, I, I super, you know, I, I extra, I'm not trying to point any fingers to publishers here or anything, but you certainly get into like the endemic quote unquote, creative accounting in Hollywood that goes on that prevents, you know, effects houses, everybody from like actors to effects houses to whoever that work on films from like receiving, bonuses and royalties and stuff like that right because like no movie in hollywood makes money right like i'm sure you've i'm sure you've heard that before right like yeah i'm not i'm not in any way saying that's what is going on here but it does make you wonder if like these agreements and these numbers and these metrics are going to get so muddy that like you could get into these situations where like game pass has a lot of upside for people in terms of for developers in terms of mitigating risk on the on the front end but then maybe on the back end, you start running into situations like this where it's like, oh, this was nice going in, but on, you know, the tail on this thing is not turning out the way we wanted it to. I mean, I think it's two things. One, though we haven't seen a lot of cases of this, I think this and a couple of other things that we've seen grumbling about is that there are situations where one, per- one entity in this relationship is able to make that deal with Microsoft. Like in the case of uh, MLB The Show, it was the MLB itself that went ahead and made that deal with Microsoft to do Game Pass, and Sony had nothing to do with that. Right. In this case, I have to imagine that people from Fly did not have... If they can't even get sales numbers out of Square Enix, they definitely did not have a, enough political clout to be like, you can't make this deal 
with Microsoft if they want to if they want to put the money up front. Yeah, like this definitely reads like Square Enix took the lead, if not the only position on on the Game Pass deal making. So I'm wondering if going forward, there's going to be this thing now where where if you are a developer and you were negotiating a deal with a publisher, you are putting specific language into those deals about whether a Game Pass deal can happen, who has say over it, and what the terms need to be. Hmm. Because I think that's the thing that's been kind of missing from a lot of this stuff. It's like, oh, this game's on Game Pass. This game's on Game Pass. And for a lot of like indies that aren't dealing with a publisher, it's not really that big of a deal. They get a big upfront payday. It leads to some sales, probably, but it helps them, you know, in the short run. But if you're dealing with a big publisher and you don't have say about where that goes, and you have a deal like this where you have to hit a certain number of where they will even start paying you, that's mm. rough. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, the, you're right. Like, we have no idea. Like, the reporting on the deal that had been done for the Square Enix Game Pass deal said Square Enix was pretty happy with it. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, as long as they're happy, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, but this- I don't know what, what upfront money, if they got upfront money or whatever they brokered for the Game Pass deal. I mean, it's a live service game. So Not a live service game. Like we kind of just said before. It's, Look, it's an online it's a, game. It's an online game that needs a player base. <laughs> it's a right? multiplayer game, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a multiplayer game that needs a player base. And I could see having a version. And it had a demo that people seem to like in the demo or at least had access to a free demo, which not all games have these days. But you need a player base, otherwise things dry out pretty quickly. I don't know if this is... And it had cross-play, though it was kind of broken in spots, but it seemed to get there. So if a bunch of people on Game Pass are playing it, a bunch of people on PS4 and PS5 could find people to play with, even though sometimes it felt broken. Um, and I guess that's important, but it's just, just an odd little story about a developer trying to tell its investors that it seems like this game is doing really well. We expect we're going to get paid. We have not gotten paid yet, and we're not exactly sure why. Yeah, like it, I mean, yeah, they 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 flat out refer to this as disappointing news, and then they say we we believe that the first royalties from Outriders sales will come to us this year. Yeah, <laughs> like they really yeah. don't seem to know exactly how this is going to play out. Like again. Some, you know, getting in, getting in on something like Game Pass or Epic Store exclusivity or whatever that helps, you know, mitigate risk going in may not necessarily turn out well coming back out of not it. Not for everyone. Uh, yeah. uh, the the other two things that I took away from this as somebody who is again continuing to play Outriders in a way that I didn't expect to be playing Outriders. Um, apparently, Square Enix, and this is a couple of months ago, uh, had said that Outriders is on track to become the company's next major franchise, huh. which I guess you know. This is around launch um, because of the number of people that were playing it at the time. And they own that IP, right? And they own, so the, they they own can, the Outriders IP. They can certainly say things like that if they want. Yeah. And then, um, you know, People Can Fly also said in their note to the investors that they are, you know, are happy and continue to continue to support and develop for this, this game. So, I mean, I think I'm not going to try and read too much into that, but I think that is pretty much what you have to say if you want to continue having a relationship and you want them to continue marketing this game that you have not made a dime from yet. Uh-huh. I will say for We're my here. part, this feels like another chapter in the very weird history, recent history especially, Square Enix has had with Western developers. Yeah, that is an element of this. I had not really considered that, gosh, going back, what, pushing 10 years at least now? Yeah. All those years where like a Tomb Raider would come out and do well, but they would like blame the Tomb Raider game for their not well enough for for, for missing their earnings targets. There was the Hitman stuff. There was you right. know ongoing clusterfuck with Avengers and Crystal Dynamics. Like yeah. and again, you know Avengers had maybe bigger problems than anything else. But like yes. 
there's just it just feels like every time we hear a story about Square Enix's relationship with a Western developer that is put they are putting out a game for, something crops up where it is like, oh, this thing did not perform well. Oh, this you know we're not getting paid from this. It's just weird. Hey. Not everything can be Final Fantasy, the smooth sailing of Final Fantasy VII Remake, okay? How crazy uh, is it that that's the way they, they <laughs> stuck, right? Of I all mean, the things, with- the thing with the, wa- the weight of decades of expectation <laughs> behind it, that's the one they're like, yep, got it in one. I mean, that thing also took, feels like it's took, taken decades. Yeah, I guess technically you didn't get it in one. They're going to get it in a minimum yeah. of three, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. The tale of Final Fantasy VII Remake is yet to be written. Like, it's, it is possible... Uh, the young Caravellas will be here uh, in some uh, wasteland talking to you about the release of fi- final. Finally, we've made it. We finally got to the Final Fantasy. I'm fighting Sephiroth. <laughs> it's it's all happening. Look at the size of that sword. He's t- uh, he's he's a one winged angel because the other wing is grasping a cane. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. All right. And that's it for the news. Nothing else going on, folks. I, we should say that the, um, I think, Brad, you mentioned it. Gamescom stuff is uh, on the horizon here. Yeah, next week, right? Uh, though, what that is between the uh, Keeley-led announcements, I'll say, and Microsoft's confirmed thing where they said they're, you know, nothing new maybe to announce, but some updates. We'll see what comes out of there. I'm sure we'll get some stuff. Yeah, like uh, the Keeley, the opening night live thing last year had some stuff in it, but... Yeah not like chalk a block with new announcement. I mean, it's kind of too late in the year. Too late in the year to be announcing a bunch of new games that are coming out this year. Right? Like it's just, that's too short, too short a marketing cycle. So probably not a lot of huge stuff, but we will see. Yeah. But maybe some reveals. I mean, there are probably some small games we don't know about and we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that being said, also that's happening uh, usually when we're recording this. So that might push back um, when this goes up, if you're listening to this and you are used to getting this, um, on the Patreon, usually in the afternoon, we might be pushed back a little bit later because we'll probably wait for that stuff. At least the Keeley stuff, right? That's yeah. happening, uh, and that's like Same a two-hour block. Yeah. So we're gonna record after that, which will probably make the podcast go up a little bit later uh, on that day. Yeah. Um, but hopefully for a good reason. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. That's gonna do it, I think, for this week's show. In case you missed it, and we're jumping around, I'm gonna spoil everything about twelve minutes. Oh, no, man. just kidding. No. We talked about 12 Minutes, we talked about Axiom Verge 2, we talked about Humankind, talked about Atrio, the Dark Wild, uh, and then we got into, uh, briefly about Atrio, and then we got into a little bit of news about Fortnite Among Us, and what's going on with People Can Fly, Outriders, and Square Enix. Uh, We want to mention, of course, thanks to everyone um, who has supported us and helped us out by listening, by watching, and you can go to uh, our Patreon which we have at nextlander.com. We'll redirect you there. You can go to patreon.com slash nextlander if you are so inclined. Yeah. Uh, like always mentioned here, or at least in the previous, uh, how long have we been doing this? Two and a half months, three months-ish. We are uh, supported by everyone who helps us uh, through views and and Patreon. Um, uh, audience supported. Audience supported. Yes. Parental approved. Yes. Extra. Yes. Yes. Kid. Yes. We a lot of kicks fans out there. (laughs) That's right. In our fandom. That's right. Kids love it. 
And uh, parents, right. you can just feel good about your kids listening to this That's podcast. Right. Yes. Don't let your kids listen to this podcast. Yes, yes. Extra, extra special thanks to all of our patrons. We could not do this without you. Extra, extra special thanks to our mysterious benefactors. <gasps> oh. Including the following. Edward Chick. Tyler Treese. Mark Wilhelm. The Bunny Fiend. Andrew Tiebkin. Thomas Lynn. Trevor and Adrian R. Andrew Thornburg. Steve Lynn. Robert Fisher, Steve Lukovich, Casey Shaughnessy, Anders Buga, Bacon Monk, Jad Rita, JM, Giant Frying Pan, Ben Murden, Brian D, Robojebus, Ninja Ducky, Peter Reardon, CJ Ewing, Jerry Lee, Matthew Herrig, Marcus G, Evan Cook, Aaron Gonzalez Burr, Sean Miller, Andrew Jackson, Joseph Reagan, Kevin Velado, Rick Button, Nelson LeBlanc, Devin Maestro Hall, G Chap, Malone Hart, Brian Murphy, Statics, Gary Pejski, William Loomis, John Hubbard, Chris Barkhurst, Kento, Angie Valadares, It Me JP, Conrad Kuzman, Max Velado, Andrew Slosky, Adam Bilo, Richard Welsh, Matthew King, Mark Allenbach, Randy Duax, Blood Emblem, Greg Martin, John B., John McGinnis, Matt, Daya, Nick Donegan, Sean Phillips, Jack Einaker, Jay Liner, Skywarp, James Smith, and Rob M. Thank you very much to all our patrons, and those are the mysterious benefactors as of the time of this recording. Ah, not so mysterious now. Yeah. No. It's all out there now. It's all out there. Folks, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening and for joining us. Uh, we are going to uh, have, I think, our plan is, and we're in charge of it, so we can just do it, State of Decay, possibly our final episode happening this Friday. All, all so, but certainly the final episode. All but certainly. The, barring major malfunction, we are uh, going to try and wrap up some State of Decay 2, play through here, Decay Gone Tomorrow. This Friday, as of the time of this recording, so you can join us there for uh, from some zombie action. Zombie action? Zombie? Some zombie action. Puz- did you say zombie? Pazombie. It's my, like, new, like it's my new Pizza Hut. Pizza yeah. Hut. Pizza Hut, Hut promotion, except with zombie meats on your pizza. The crust is fi- the crust was the real monster all along, and it's full of pepperoni. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pepperoni turns out pepperoni the real monster all along uh so you can join us there 1 p.m eastern on monday brad and i got scrappy you can go check That's that right. out as well uh it was a very fun episode we have some stuff from earlier uh on tuesday some uh, i mentioned before that um atrio some playthrough of that this year podcast tomorrow we'll be doing some fm vinnie so you can go check out more of Dr. R- R- What's Dr. Dr. Guy Rich, Face Rich, Dude. Rich, Richfield, Richmond, Dr. Rich, Rich. something, Dr. Something. That playthrough of the 13th Doll, the FMV game, having a lot of fun with that. Can't wait to see what puzzles and spooky stuff we encounter there. Yeah. Watch out. And, and uh, again, if you want to go check out more of 12 Minutes in video form, we do have that uh, piece up on YouTube now. Uh, you can go check out our page there at youtube.com slash nextlander. Yeah. But if you're not going to do any of that stuff, just enjoff yourself. Just, just make yeah. sure you're, you're not going to spend time with us. Spend time 
enjoying yourself, doing something else that's amazing. You know, that's all I can say. Spend time with us, but if you can't, love the ones you're with. That's how the song goes, <laughs> that's right? That's right, yes, that's it. All right, Brad, Alex, thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you. everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>